Gaines, hope you guys are hanging in there doing okay. Um, I know this book can be a little bit heavy and sad sometimes, but I hope you're enjoying it and uh, hope you're doing well. And uh, just like with Esperanza and our lives, I think there's a lot of connection, uh, especially these days. I like how Esperanza was talking about her life in terms of uh, mountains and valleys and how there's really good times where you're feeling like you're on top of a mountain and and there's really tough times when you feel like you're down in the bottom of a valley. Um, anyways, um, just thought I'd share that. Hope you're doing well. I miss you guys. All right. We're on page 164. Let's go. The next day, Esperanza pulled a heavy shawl around her shoulders and waited for Miguel to come home from the fields. She paced in the area where the trucks unloaded and wrapped the wool tighter against the early winter cold. She had been thinking all day about what to do. Ever since Mama had first become sick over a month ago, they had no money coming in. The doctor's bills and medicines had used up most of what they'd saved. Now there were more bills. Alfonso and Hortensia offered to help, but they had done so much already, and they did not have much to spare. Besides, she could not accept their charity forever. Abuelita's ankle was probably healed by now, but if she hadn't been able to get her money out of Tio Luis's bank, then she would have no money with which to travel. <clears throat> if Esperanza could somehow get money to Abuelita, then maybe she could come sooner. When Miguel jumped off one of the trucks, she called to him. What have I done to deserve this honor, mi reina? He said, smiling and walking toward her. Please, Miguel, no teasing. I need help. I need to work so I can bring Abuelita to Mama. He was quiet, and Esperanza could tell he was thinking. But what could you do? And who would take care of the babies? I could work in the fields or in the sheds, and Melina and Irene have already offered to watch Pepe and Lupe. It's only men in the fields right now, and you're not old enough to work in the sheds. I am tall. I'll wear my hair up. They won't know. The problem is that it's the wrong time of the year. They aren't packing anything right now, not until asparagus in the spring. My mother and Josefina are going to cut potato eyes for the next three weeks. Maybe you can go with them. But it is just three weeks, said Esperanza. I need to work more than that. Ansa, if you're good at cutting potato-wise, they will hire you to tie grapes. If you are good at tying grapes, they will hire you for asparagus. That's how it works. If you're good at one thing, then they hire you for another. She nodded. 
Can you tell me one more thing, Miguel? Claro, certainly. What are potato eyes? Esperanza huddled with Josefina, Hortensia, and a small group of women waiting for the morning truck to take them to the sheds. A thick tulle ground fog that hugged the earth settled in the valley, surrounding them as if they stood within a deep gray cloud. There was no wind, only silence and penetrating cold. Esperanza bundled in all the clothing that she could put on, old wool pants, a sweater, a ragged jacket, a wool cap, and thick gloves over thin gloves, all borrowed from friends in the camp. Hortensia had shown her how to heat a brick in the oven and bundle it in newspaper, and she hugged it to her body to keep warm as they rode on the truck. Since the driver could only see a few yards <clears throat> ahead, the truck rumbled slowly on the dirt roads. They passed miles, they passed miles of naked grapevines, stripped of their harvests and bereft of their leaves. Fading into the mist, the brown and twisted trunks looked frigid and lonely. The truck stopped at the big packing shed. It was really one long building with different open air sections, as long as six train cars. The railroad tracks ran along one side and docks for trucks ran along the other. Esperanza had heard Mama and the others talk about the sheds, how they were busy with people, women standing at long tables, packing the fruit, trucks coming and going with their loads fresh from the fields, and workers stocking the train cars that would later be hooked to a locomotive to take the fruit all over the United States. But cutting potato eyes was different. Since nothing was being packed, there wasn't the usual activity. Only 20 or so women gathered in the cavernous shed, sitting in a circle on upturned crates, protected from the wind by only a few stacks of empty boxes. The Mexican supervisor took their names. With all the clothing they were wearing, he barely looked at their faces. Josefina had told Esperanza that if she was a good worker, the bosses wouldn't, would not concern themselves with her age so she, know, she knew she would have to work hard. Esperanza copied everything that Hortensia and Josefina did. When the women put the hot bricks between their feet to keep them warm while they worked, so did she. When they took off their outer gloves and worked in thin cotton ones, she did the same. Everyone had a metal bin sitting behind them. The field workers brought cold potatoes and filled up their bins. Hortensia, took a potato and then with a sharp knife, she cut, it in, she cut it into chunks around the dimples. She tapped her knife on one of the dimples. That is an eye, she whispered to Esperanza. Leave two eyes in every piece so there will be two chances for it to take root. Then she dropped the chunks into a burlap sack. When the sack was full, the field workers took it away. Where do they take them? She asked Hortensia. To the fields, they plant the eye pieces and then the potatoes grow. Esperanza picked up a knife. Now she knew where potatoes came from. The women began chatting. Some knew each other from camp and one of them was Marta's aunt. Is there any more talk of striking? Asked Josefina. 
Things are quiet now, but they are still organizing, said Marta's aunt. There is talk of striking in the spring when it is time to pick. We are afraid there will be problems. If they refuse to work, they will lose their cabins in the migrant camps. And then where will they live? Or worse, they will all be sent back to Mexico. How can they send all of them back? asked Hortensia. Repatriation, said Marta's aunt. La Migra, the immigration authorities, round up people who cause problems and check their papers. If they are not in order, or if they do not happen to have their papers with them, the immigration officials send them back to Mexico. We have heard that they have sent people whose families have lived here for generations, those who are citizens and have never even been to Mexico. Esperanza remembered the train at the border and the people being herded onto it. She had been thankful for the papers that Abuelita's sisters had arranged. Marta's aunt said, <clears throat> excuse me, Marta's aunt said, there's also some talk about harming Mexicans who continue to work. The other women sitting around the circle pretended to concentrate on their potatoes. But Esperanza noticed worried glances and raised eyebrows. Then Hortensia cleared her throat and said, are you saying that if we continue to work during the spring, your niece and her friends might harm us? We are praying that does not happen. My husband says we will not join them. We too have many mouths to feed. And she told Marta, she cannot stay with us. We can't risk being asked to leave the camp or losing our jobs because of our niece. Heads nodded in sympathy and the circle was silent, except for the sounds of knives cutting the crisp potatoes. Is anyone going to Mexico for La Navidad? Asked another woman, wisely changing the subject. Esperanza kept cutting the potato eyes, but listened carefully, hoping someone would be going to Aguascalientes for Christmas. But no one seemed to be traveling anywhere near there. A worker refilled Esperanza's metal bin with another load of cold potatoes. The rumbling noise brought her thoughts back to what Marta's aunt had said. If it was true that the strikers would threaten people who kept working, they might try and stop her too. Esperanza thought of Mama in the hospital and Abuelita in Mexico and how much depended on her being able to work. If she was lucky enough to have a job in the spring, no one was going to get in her way. <laughs>